And thank you. You may be seated. I look around and I see a good crowd tonight. And I'm very thankful for those who are viewing uh, the live stream service and those who will be tuning in later on. We have a growing presence online and we thank God for your participation and for your faithfulness. Thank you for your faithfulness in uh, sending in your tithes, bringing in your tithes, and uh, mailing in your tithes and offerings. And we have a special project or two right now. We've completed four special projects during the COVID-19 restriction time. And uh, that's, that's the Lord saying, oh yeah, to the devil, the world, and the flesh. And I like it when we and the Lord can say, oh yeah, to the world, the flesh, and the devil. Four projects down, two more in the works right now. Number five is providing a sound system for Chris Wars Military Church in Italy. I would like for this church to buy the sound system for that church. And your giving toward that using the envelopes with the red writing helps us with that. Uh, number six, here you go, count them. Number six, we're working on right now. One of our missionary kids is home on furlough with uh, bills that have mounted up, medical bills that need to be paid. And you know, they don't have the Rolls-Royce kind of, of uh, insurance plans. Those missionaries operate on a shoestring, don't they, Brother Gabe? And many times, no insurance, but little insurance in this case. And uh, I would like for our church to, to just say, oh yeah, to the devil. Oh yeah, to the world. Oh yeah, to the flesh. To the naysayers, to the doubters, to the people who just want to, you know, just crawl in the corner and quit. That greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. And let's pay those bills. And so thank God for your faithful giving. Thank God for your encouraging notes, letters, emails, phone calls. You have just been so kind to this preacher. We feel so loved, especially at this time. Thank you for your prayers on behalf of my mother and for our family. And she's getting ready to pass over. We don't know if it'll be today or if it'll be tomorrow or next week or Christmas. We have no idea. She is one tough lady. And uh, we're just praying that God's will will be done and that she'll be gently passed over when it's her time to go. Thank you for your prayers for our brother and my dear friend, in California, Dr. Jack Treber and his church. Today, the update came through. $52,000 in fines have been paid so far for the high crimes and dis misdemeanors of meeting. Now, i got to say a couple of things to you about this very quickly, just so you know. I know that these states, these municipalities, these different places that are being misrun and mishandled and poorly administered, I know they got to come up with money someplace, but why put that on the back of God's people the way they are? That is a shame. And while we are not violent people and we are not going to, to uh, take uh, measures uh, of any kind like they do in the streets, we're not going to do that at all. But I got to say that the governor of California is in trouble with God. We need to be praying for him and for all those people. They can't raise enough money to pay for their bills, and so what do they do? they got to tax, they got to find God's people. God help them. And tonight we're going to pray for Dr. Treber and his people as they go on. They're just going to keep on going on for the Lord and praise the Lord for them. I believe the Bible is the Word of God. Amen? I believe there are no mistakes in it. Amen? And God helping us, we're going to try to obey it. Amen? And tonight... We complete our study of the entire book of Galatians. Are you glad we've been on this trip? Amen. I want to thank each of you. How many of you, uh, except for illness or being called out of town, 
Every chance you've had to be here, you've been here or you've been online, raise your hands. Yes, I see the hands here and I can imagine the hands online out there. All the way through the entire book of Galatians, all six chapters, verse by verse. I mean, word by word, syllable by syllable. Praise the Lord. Every single one of these is the very word of God, inspired and preserved. And praise the Lord. He has certainly helped us in this study these many months. And God takes it very seriously when man decides to take it upon himself to violate the principle of salvation by grace through simple faith in Christ alone. When you try to add to God's simple plan of salvation, that is Galatianism. That is Galatianism. They had it back then. We have it now. And we want, we want to make it clear there's only one way to heaven, and that's in and through the finished work of the person Jesus Christ. He died on the cross, he was buried, he rose from the dead. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, isn't that right? Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, Daquan, shall be saved. The old gospel is still the same. It hasn't lost any power, any oomph. It's still the same. And we need to go soul winning. Amen. We need to get out there. And uh, here it is. Our church is the home of this little booklet that we had the privilege of revising for the glory of God. And many, many, many of these have gone out in a number of languages and many souls are coming to God through Christ. Praise the Lord. So welcome to our midweek service and the end of this particular series. Uh, we have been in the old paths. We're going to continue to walk in the old paths. We're going to continue to pray for revival. Second Chronicles 7, 14. You see, it's not through the faulty, blurry prisms of this world of politics, of social change, of personal advancement, worldliness, that we see things. We see things only one way. That is through the lens of God's Word. And praise God, we can see clearly that it's not a matter of the five senses or of things of this earth that are going to fade and pass away. It's all going to burn someday. Praise God, it is a spiritual thing. We are in a spiritual conflict. And uh, the Apostle Paul was writing by inspiration because there are those who are going to try to undermine the Word of God by adding to it. Uh, it is worth standing for the Bible. It is worth dying on that hill, if necessary. The Word of God is not bound. The Word of God is still quick. It's alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. And so Paul really meant it. And that's why he wrote with a large let with large letters, with his own hand, to emphasize his, his uh, concern, his uh, emphasis in this case. And uh, then he rebuked those that would make uh, a, a show-off, uh, a performance out of their ministry uh, and would avoid the reproach of the cross by making salvation somehow related to things that we do or things that we join or things <coughs> that we uh, become a part of that's not the way to heaven and he said you're wrong in that and it's it's not a matter of works not by works of righteousness which we have done but according to his mercy he saved us so it's not through the rituals of Judaism you don't have to become a Jew you don't have to add any works or religion of man to the very simple plan of salvation through Jesus Christ and so he glories in the cross in this sixth chapter he glories in the cross, and we talked about that last week. We die to a self-willed way of life. 
We have the resurrection power of Jesus Christ flowing through us. And that's how we can live successfully. That's how you can be what God wants you to be. That's how you can do what God wants you to do. We've come now to the last two verses of this great book of Galatians. We're in chapter 6, verse 17 and verse 18. And there it says, From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Father, I pray that you fill me now with the spirit. I pray that each person here will desire this wonderful enablement of your grace and that every one of us will manifest our identification with you that will bear in our body the marks of the Lord Jesus himself. I pray this in your name. Amen. Have you ever really been under fire? You that are in the military, you that have been in athletics, you that have been afraid, fearful, maybe out on the street sometime, and your heart is pounding. You feel like it's going to come up in your throat and out of your mouth. And Paul's heart must have been pounding as he penned these verses. False teachers had been allowed to come into those new churches in southern Turkey known as Galatia. And uh, fo folks had begun to listen to them, begin to uh, believe their false teaching, their heresy, begin to, to doubt uh, the Apostle Paul. So the Apostle Paul himself and the gospel and his ministry all coming under fire. And so he, he describes this as, uh, as a, a matter for his personal involvement, as something that he feels strongly about. And so he's writing this section himself, and he's saying, Others may seek popularity, but we don't. Others may desire the approval of man, but we don't. Others may want the applause of men, but we don't. And today we've got to say the same thing that the Apostle Paul said. We're not looking for the applause or the popularity or the approval of mankind. We are looking for the, uh, to please the Lord Jesus Christ, to gain the smile of God upon our work for Him. We need to bear the marks of the Lord Jesus. And we, we can do this by the grace that He talks about in verse 18. The cross of Jesus Christ is a wonderful, wonderful truth because it gives purpose uh, to the wounds that we might bear, to the scars or to the marks that we might have, that we might suffer. Here we have the Apostle Paul willing to suffer. He said, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And so he bears those marks in his body, the stigmata, the stigmata. And uh, these have great meaning. And I want you to see what the meaning of those marks actually are. I was reading some of the writing that has been given to us by J. Sidlow Baxter. I have a complete set of his books, Gabe, in my library. And he says this, This Galatian epistle was written to groups of believers scattered through a rural area in which most of the people were agricultural workers of one sort or another. In keeping with the mentality and circumstances of the Galatians, Paul uses language and metaphors which are specially appropriate to them. There were four kinds of bearing, B-E-A-R, bearing, 
with which the Galatians were familiar above all else. These were, put them down, number one, fruit-bearing, number two, burden-bearing, number three, seed-bearing, and number four, mark-bearing or brand-bearing. So there you have it. And there are actually five classes of persons who were marked in the Bible. But we read about the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, and so forth. The fruit of the Spirit in chapter number 5, beginning at verse 22. We read about burden bearing. Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. That's in chapter 6 and verse 2. And seed bearing. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. That's chapter 6 and verse 7, 8, and 9. And then now we have bearing in his body the marks or what we would say the brands of the Lord Jesus. Five kinds or classes of persons bore marks in their bodies in those days. First of all, many of those who had to work in the agricultural system were servants or slaves. And so in this case, the brand or the mark that was upon them was a mark of ownership. My Bible tells me that I'm not my own, that I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And I am told that because I am a, a, a part of of his own. I belong to him. Therefore, I owe him my allegiance. I owe him my best. I owe him my life. There is no way I can ever pay the Lord back for what he has done for me. But because there is ownership, there ought to also be surrender. There ought to be possession. We ought to give ourselves completely, anew and afresh every single day. And we need to do that because the flesh is very deceptive. And we may think that we are right with God when upon examination, actually, he doesn't own every bit of us or doesn't possess every bit of us, though he has paid for us in full. So first of all, there were those slaves. Then secondly, another type of individual or designation of individual in these times that bore a mark were the soldiers, the soldiers. And they wore their mark as a, an insignia uh, of allegiance and, and of their rank and of their service. Every once in a while, I'll come up upon the back of a vehicle and uh, there is an enlarged decal on the back of the bumper or the back of the vehicle. Sometimes these are four-wheelers. Frequently, they're four-wheelers or trucks. And uh, they'll have various branches of the service. But the insignia, by now, after all of these years, I recognize very, very well. The insignia is like one that's worn on when, when they're in their dress... Uh, uh, uniform, and that insignia indicates that they served in a far-off place called Vietnam. You can see that on the back of many trucks, Vietnam veterans. When they came back in the 1960s and 70s, uh, they couldn't find enough shelter from all of the insults that were hurled in the spit and the, and the degradation that was heaped upon these heroes. They were pictured falsely in some stupid Hollywood films as all being drug addicts and drunks and murderers. And the truth of the matter is, the greatest soldiers, the greatest military on this planet is from the United States of America. Some of the finest gentlemen and ladies you'll ever meet in your life. And whenever we see them, either uh, the current military in places where we pass by them, 
or those, uh, some of them are gray-haired, some of them are older than I, and they have their hat on, and it says, it says Army Veteran, or it says Marine Veteran, or, or something along those lines. I like to go up to them and give them a little salute and shake their hand and thank them for their service. Soldiers, soldiers not only endure all that they do on the battlefield, they usually bring part of the battlefield back with them and they leave part of themselves there. I am told, I don't know what it's like, I, I know through the ministry there are some similar experiences, but nothing to compare with what goes on on the battlefield with comrades in arms. And so the, those who have served, the soldiers and uh, the, uh, uh, all of the uh, military of the United States of America deserve our respect and our honor and our tribute. In Bible times, they were marked. It was a mark of allegiance, their loyalty, willing to stand, willing to die if necessary. And so we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. We're, we're bound to Him as His servants, as His slaves, because He's purchased us. We are also soldiers of Jesus Christ, and we ought to endure hardness as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And then a third category in Bible times of those who were marked were called devotees. Devotees. This is a mark of consecration. Somebody who believes in a cause or believes in a higher power, believes in something, and they mark themselves accordingly. And so the devotees were marked uh, as to their consecration. And then a fourth category, criminals were marked. Criminals were marked. And this was a mark of shame, but it was, it was a mark of reproach. It was a mark of, uh, of their having uh, uh, been behind bars, and they were known by their marks. And then there were those who were abhorred, the low classes. Uh, what we can identify with is the untouchables of India, the lowest classes, the abhorred, no one to go near them. In uh, many cases, they were lepers or diseased in other ways, and no one would go near them. They, they were, they were uh, left outside the gates. They were, uh, they were uh, distanced from. And so consequently, we have five classes of persons. And J. Sidlow Baxter says this, The marks of the Lord Jesus in the body of Paul were in the spiritual realm all five of these in one. And we are all five of these in one. Paul said he was the prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul said he had become all things to all men, that by all means he might save some. And that's where we find ourselves tonight. We find ourselves in a position of bearing in our body uh, the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about that. It's a call from Paul. It's an exhortation. He says, From henceforth let no man trouble me. In other words, this is the end of the discussion that we're going to have on this subject. We're not going to talk about it anymore. The other day I was speaking with someone I had knew, known from years before. We were talking about someone who had died with whom I'd had a difference of opinion. And I said there came a point in time when we decided that we would not discuss that issue and we continued to be friends through life, but we never talked about that issue the rest of of, our, of his life, and he's now gone. From henceforth, let no man trouble me. There's a time to draw a line in the sand and say, we've said all that needs to be said on this subject. 
It's done. Do you understand me? It's closed. It's finished. It's absolutely finished. And you reach that point with an individual when you've made yourself clear, uh, not when you're done venting, not when you're done being angry. You know, I just have to say a, a bunch more. Well, go outside and tell it to the dog. Because I'm telling you right now, when you get across, when you get your message across, you're through. You're finished. That's it. Sometimes I've been in a conversation like this with someone. I said, all right, have you said everything that you need to say on the subject? Have you said the same thing? They begin to repeat themselves. I'm asking, do you have any new information? Do you have anything new to say? All right, then let me, you've said what you want to say. Let me say what I'm going to say. I agree with you or I disagree with you in this regard, but we'll say no more about this. We draw a line in the sand. That's it. That's it. We'll never speak of this again. And we'll commit it to God and we'll put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. How about that? Try that on for size. Put it under the blood of Jesus Christ. You who can't let it go. You who are forever playing the blame game. You who forever uh, want to make sure that you just say your piece and you say it again and you say it again and you say it again and you say it again. I tell you what, tonight draw a line in the sand. Say, that's it. Not going to talk about it anymore. It's done. It's finished. For the cause of Jesus Christ, it's done. And that's what Paul was saying. Paul wasn't saying to the Galatians, all right, you followed a heretic, so I'm not going to have anything to do with you. Didn't say that. He said, now I've, I've spoken what needs to be said. I've presented the truth. I'm drawing a line in the sand from henceforth. Let no man trouble me. That's the end of it. We're not going to discuss this anymore. Those guys want to show off. Let them show off. I'm not going to try to compete with them. If they want to get under the big top and they want to ride around in a circle and, and they want everybody's attention and they want everybody's applause, they can have the big tent to themselves because I don't care. I'm drawing a line in the sand. That's it. I've got a long ways to go, but I've, I have been learning some things in my lifetime. And that is, it doesn't matter how many folks are in the stands applauding you. I don't care if anybody applauds me. I want one to be pleased. I want him to be pleased. I don't care about the rest of them. Put an end to your contentions. Get back to the business of preaching the truth, of living the truth, of presenting Jesus Christ. There's enough division already. I'm not talking about that phony, baloney, carnal, ecumenical movement that's based upon error, that's based upon compromise, that's based upon dropping the truth. I'm talking about standing upon the truth, but saying, all right, no more contention, no more fighting among us. We're not going to fight about it. I've said my piece, I've said what I believe, that's it. And Paul says, it's time for you to take your stand and abandon those that have led you astray. It doesn't matter how nice they are or how they speak or what they look like or, or you know, whatever you felt, it doesn't matter. What matters is the truth. Abandon those who lead you astray. Separate from those who corrupt and disturb the peace. And don't bother me anymore with this discussion because it's now done. He says, I am bearing in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus himself. I'm crucified with Christ. I've had it 
with ceremony. I've had it with ritual. I've had it with false religion. I've had it with false philosophies. I've had it with all the applause and, and the approval of the world and the wealth and the glory and the prestige of, of this old world. You can put me in the fiery furnace. You can throw me to the lions, but that's not going to change the truth. And they did behead him, but not yet. This world is no friend to grace, and they may say the same thing to us someday. And if they were to behead us, because I believe that will happen perhaps out in the future, there'll be some persecution that's going to take place, and even some martyrdom. I want you to know that if they take me out at the sunrise to take my head from my shoulders, I'll be having breakfast with Jesus. Come on now. For to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Come on now. That's it. It is, it is no great pity to die for Jesus Christ. That's to his glory. That's to his glory. I'll tell you what a pity is. To live for nothing. To live with no purpose. To live with no crowns to cast at Jesus' feet. That's a pity. That's a pity. Praise God for all those who are willing to stand. Amen? Amen. Paul had a, a long resume with lots of things that he had accomplished in this world even before he came to Christ. But uh, where he got uh, his good grades and his, his star really shone, uh, he got his uh, postgraduate degree in suffering. He got his, his uh, advanced a doctoral degree in dying for Jesus Christ. He knew what it was to die daily. He knew how to experience that, how to take that. Hassles and problems and disagreements of all kinds can be found all around us, but we bear in our body the marks, the brands of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, in this respect, we don't avoid persecution. We're not ashamed of standing up for Jesus Christ. We're not going to stand for something that is neutral or something which is compromised. We're going to stand for that which obviously states clearly where we are. We uh, picture the Lord Jesus Christ climbing up Golgotha's brow. On the way up there, I am sure that Satan and his demons... We're bugging him all the way. You just put down this cross. And you just call 10,000 angels. They'll come and deliver you. Why, you won't have to put up with all these people. All these people you're going to die for, they're cussing you. They're calling you everything in the world. And yet you're going to die for them. You're going to go there. And Jesus Christ went all the way to Calvary. Not only that, but he laid down like a lamb before the shears, before the slaughter, lay down, put out his hands, and they put those cruel Roman spikes through his hands. And they raised him up on the cross where he died in agony. God the Father, who could not look upon sin, could not look upon his son, and he turned his face, and on that day, it turned as black as midnight at noonday because God turned his face away. He was rejected by God. He was rejected by man. 
but He was willing to do that for you and for me. How on earth can we do less? Jesus was willing to die for the sins of all mankind and He felt the pain of the sins, the multiplied sins and the sorrows of billions of souls. How can we do less than give ourselves unreservedly to Him? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus, He says. And He's absolutely right. We do. And then... He speaks of that great subject that we mentioned when we began. The way that we can do this, the way that we can accomplish that which God has called us to accomplish is by grace. He says, brethren, he's speaking to those who are saved. He is not disenfranchised from them. He is identifying with them. Brethren are people who come from the same spiritual source. They've been born again, saved the Bible way, the same way. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Grace to heal. Grace to raise. Grace to encourage. Grace to keep going. Grace to stand. Grace to be true. Grace to be faithful. There it is. Grace. This isn't just a salutation and uh, a farewell. We are called by grace. I got saved by grace. I've been kept by grace. I've been sustained. I've been satisfied by grace. And grace will lead me home. You know, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. It's because of God's amazing grace. Jesus died for us. Jesus was buried for us. Jesus justified us. Jesus redeemed us. Jesus bought us. Jesus adopted us. Jesus, uh, by His power, has empowered us. And right now, it is all by grace. Going forward today is by grace. Continuing on is by grace. We came in by grace. We're going to go out by grace. What a wonderful Savior, as we sang of Him earlier. I can just imagine what it was like for the Apostle Paul to have his work for God to be so affected by false teachers. But that's the way the devil works. Satan doesn't fight fair. When Satan comes after you, don't expect him to follow any rules. When Satan tries to separate you from your spouse, don't expect him to play fair. When he tries to disenfranchise you from your loved ones and from everything that you hold dear, don't expect him to, to in any way comport himself as a gentleman. The devil is not a gentleman. He gets down and dirty. He is nasty. And one of these days, he's going to be consigned to the lake of fire. But in the meantime, this world is his realm of operation. And his mode of operation is to whisper in your ear and to try to occupy those castles, those fortresses in your mind from which we need to cast down every imagination that exalts itself above Christ. Everything that's contrary to what we know about the Lord Jesus Christ and the Christ life, we need to willfully and deliberately be casting it down and casting it down and casting it down. We need to be claiming the blood of Jesus Christ. This past week, once again, 
We had the opportunity to claim the blood of Jesus Christ over the devil. Not only do we claim the blood of Jesus Christ, but we claim that powerful name by which we have authority, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the name by which demons tremble. The blood of Christ, the name of Christ, the authority of Christ, the word of God, we have the victory. We need to be claiming that. Too many Christians have run up the white flag. Are you listening to me? Too many have given up. Too many have folded their tents and uh, have sheathed their swords and have, have mounted their steeds and rode slowly into the sunset. I'm here to tell you that the battle is not over. I'm here to tell you that we are still on the battlefield for the Lord. The fight is still going on. It's still furious. We do have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ, but He's called us to be faithful. We need to stay by our assignment, not quit, not give up, not back up, not compromise in any way. The Apostle Paul bore those marks in his body. He did it by grace. He came in by grace. God reached down and saved him on the road to Damascus. His life after that was never the same, and it was never easy. You read about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and you see nothing was easy. He said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself. For what purpose? That he might win. That he might be victorious in the end. God doesn't want us to just be at peace with the world, the flesh, and the devil. God wants us to keep on keeping on and not quit. Keep the main thing the main thing. Just keep on going. Don't give up. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. See from His head, His hands, His feet, Sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? His dying crimson, like a robe, spreads o'er his body on the tree. Then I am dead to all the globe, and all the globe is dead to me. Do you hear me tonight? That's it. Now the old sin nature wants to perk up and follow the temptation that crosses our path. But we need to die daily. Keep on dying to self. Keep on dying to self in a self-willed way of life. And let's live as Christ lives through us by the victory that's provided in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Every head bowed, every eye closed. And how many of you tonight say, Preacher, something in the message spoke to my heart tonight. Slip your hand up high. Something spoke to me. Amen. Amen. All across the auditorium tonight, there are folks who are praying. And if God... So moves you to come, I trust that you'll slip out and come down and have a word of prayer on the hymn of invitation, which is going to be offered in just a moment. If you've never been saved, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray right now from your heart to God something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. Now, if you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up? Anyone at all?